1: What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield. Thank you so much for making this a part of your day. Joining me tonight is Jordan Foote, editor inside the Royals. Uh, three-time guest now, but you're my go-to when I really just need to rattle the cage a little bit.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, you could make a Ryan O'Hearn comp and say that I'm like a, a Ryan O'Hearn pinch-hitting extraordinary because Ryan O'Hearn is a pinch-hitter. Pretty good player now. I hope otherwise I'm not, you know, Ryan O'Hearn. Um, but I'll leave that up to the people instead of <laughs> <Whenever> <laughs> not gonna call I really myself to, right over.
1: Whenever I really need to go like royal stavus or royal yes. festivus, however you want to say it, uh, I know think you're the you're the guy to go to, but we got a lot to talk about today. And it's really thanks to you guys. I to be honest, I had no idea what to talk about on this episode because it's, I mean, the season is going so poorly. I didn't want to come on here and just rehash the same takes over and over again. Felt like I've done that for the last month and wanted to change things up. So thank you to everybody that sent in and replied to my tweet and gave some suggestions for stuff to talk about. We hit some of those topics uh, in this episode. Before we get to that, the show is always brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. To a quick word from them.
2: From the beginning, we knew right away that we want to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these, coaching these skills from the get-go. And the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page, you know, we can write a program based off of what a kid needs, not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense, it's what does this kid need? On the pitching end, we can say, hey, this kid needs such and such. He needs to do this or that better. A lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound, it actually needs to be fixed in the weight room.
1: Once again, thank you so much, Kansas City Strength and Conditioning, for sponsoring this show. Be sure to go and check them out if you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train. All right, Jordan, so we'll we'll re- do just a quick recap of what went down for the last week. The Royals, at this point, have lost six games in a row. As of recording, they are down two nothing late in the ball game against Minnesota, started a four or up there in the Twin Cities, and likely looking like seven in a row lost, which would put the Royals down at fourteen and twenty nine. The Royals, at this point, have the same amount of wins as the actively tanking Cincinnati Reds, so things are not looking great. The offense has been better relative to what it was earlier in the season, but the, the bullpen is starting to falter. turn. I think some of that is just the amount of innings they've had to pitch to make up for the pitching, the starting rotation, which is just now starting to actually throw more than five plus innings a night, uh, blown multiple leads. I mean, it was just egregious on Sunday against Minnesota. I felt like that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of fans and Royals Twitter and Royals reporters and content creators and people like you and I It has been scorched earth for the last few days. They go down to Arizona and blow a couple of games there after having leads early on. It's just not good. And I don't, I I said, I don't want to beat a dead horse here. It's just flat out bad.
2: Literally. I have two notes under the past week for the Royals. The first one is offense heating up and then somehow in parentheses, and then, I have bullpen blown leads lol written as <laughs> my second bullet point. Yeah, like I, I mean it's really that simple. I mean you can you can go into it more if you want to, but it's it's really the offense is playing better somehow. It's giving the team leads. The bullpen's blown in epic fashion, a couple of them. Yeah. I mean, Tuesday's game was bad, Sunday's game was one of the worst losses in franchise history. I mean, that's not even hyperbole. So it's one of those things where the bullpen started off the year really well it was due for some regression. Like it was going to get worse throughout the year. It's also, they played what 19 games in 17 days. Like they were wearing out when you don't have a stable full of starters, who's going to go, you know, five innings, six innings, something like that. When you have guys that can't get out of the third inning or the fourth inning, or even sometimes the fifth inning, it's going to wear and tear on your team. So um, the changes with Alex Zumalt, it's way too small of a sample size to see if that's actually the reason they're playing better. But, you know, they did have a good stretch. Now they're getting blanked by who's even starting for Minnesota? Devin Smeltzer. Devin Smeltzer. Um, maybe I'm a casual. I don't know a ton about Devin Smeltzer. So. I'm a pretty passionate baseball fan. I follow all
1: 30 teams pretty close. I barely know who the heck that is. I, I seen him on MLB The Show is like a bronze card. That's literally all I know.
2: Yeah. So uh, it's just not good. Like you said, it's not good. It's not great. It's not even bad. Like it's, it's a train wreck. It is a dumpster fire. Um, they are not even at Memorial day. They're over two weeks under 500. They're looking at, I mean, like you said, it's, it's not good.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the off day on Wednesday, yesterday was the first off day since May 7th.
2: So they didn't I, lose.
1: Yeah. I and mean, they got positive. Undefeated. Only, Undefeated. Positive, undefeated on off days, just like every other baseball <laughs> baseball team. But I didn't realize that it had been that long. And yeah. they, they played that many days in a row. And sure, yeah, it's gonna wear you down, but you can't blow a six0 lead in the eighth inning at home no. in in an opportunity where you're trying not to get swept. And I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I sung the praises of Taylor Clark early in the year, but he's gotten blown up in three of his last four outings. Hasn't even gotten out of an inning uh, in any of the, or in three of those outings. One clean inning uh, a couple of days ago against the, I think it was against the Twins even uh, on a Saturday. I think it was this Friday or Saturday game, but either way, like, yeah, it, there's some regression to the mean there. And that's still, I don't think they're an awful bullpen. I know ERA right now, it is by ERA the worst bullpen in baseball. Do I think it will be they're their worst bullpen in baseball? Bad. They are not. But a multiple bad outings from multiple guys that don't have a lot of innings under their belt, the sam- the ERA is going to balloon because of sample size, right? By July, I think it'll be back down to the middle of the pack, which is, I think, a mm-hmm. very good place for this bullpen to be. Um, and how often they're actually going to be used late in games to win games at this point, I have no idea. I will say on the hitting side, I think you are starting to see a little bit more of the what Alex Zumwalt is, can do and the way you can help some of these guys. It obviously wasn't going to work overnight when they made the change in the middle of last week. It took a couple of games for things to get going, but they're actually starting to hit the ball a little bit better. You know, I think it's obviously having an impact on Bobby Wood Jr., having an impact on MJ Melendez, who has been awesome. Uh, Certainly, like, there's still positives to take away, but when you're losing this many games and you're already looking possibly like 15 games below 500 before we get to June 1st, in a year where you thought maybe you can hang around 500 plus or minus a little bit, it's ugly. And when you're down there with the teams that aren't trying to win, like the pirates and the reds and the a's and some of these other teams, like it's, it's not a good look at all on anybody, like on anybody in this organization, front office, coaching staff, or anything.
2: It's yeah. Not good. And what was a friend of the program, Kent Swanson who tweeted the Cincinnati reds who were trying to lose yeah, We're I, I three said and that the, 22. Yeah, I said they have that the, the same amount of wins as the Royals now. Yeah, the
1: the Cincinnati Reds started three and 22. They now have the same amount of wins as the Kansas City Royals after Ugh. they drubbed the Cubs today, like 20 to five. Yeah. So yeah, it, when you're down there with teams that aren't trying to win and you are trying to win, you are not doing things right.
2: It's it's yeah, not good. At so all.
1: to to go along with that, someone brought up in the topics, and I wish I I, I feel so bad, guys. I'm sorry, but go, coming to the episode, I did not uh, write down who tweeted me what uh, for the topics. I just put them in notes and, and now we're going. So if you made one of these topics, thank you so much. Uh, it gives me something just to talk about a little bit here, but someone brought up a hypothetical regime change, like across the board of what you would do and who you would want. And that at least at this point involves the general manager, the manager and the pitching coach, because those are the, you know, they they brought in Alex Zumwalt. So that position is filled at least for now. I didn't really come in with names, to be honest with you, because I don't know what they're going to do. Like the Royals are kind of unpredictable in that way. Like I know the writing was on the wall from Athene for over a year and a half, but I just don't know where they go from here. Dayton Moore is not going anywhere. JJ Piccolo is not going anywhere. I'm not going to put any of this on JJ, uh, at least at this point. It was one, it's his first year as general manager and Dayton is still kind of pulling the strings as baseball in baseball ops. So they're kind of working in tandem. I'm not going to, I'm not gonna put too much on him. At this point, I don't – how do I put it nicely? Like, I don't think the Mike Matheny era is going to go beyond this year. At least that's what I want to believe. But the Royals also gave him – they also picked up his option for 2023. So that tells me there's at least a better than 50% chance that he's going to be the manager in 2023. Do I think he should be? I don't think so because it's clearly whatever he's saying in the clubhouse, whatever strings he's pulling are not working when it comes to who I want the Royals to bring in as a manager, I don't have any, I mean, I have names, but how realistic they are. I don't know.
2: Did you come up with anybody? I see people bring up Raul Ibanez. That's one of mine. That's one of mine. I I don't really have a ton. I'm with you. I think I've almost given into the fact that there's going to be this quote unquote meeting at the end of the year, there's probably going to be a real meeting. They almost have to have one. They're going to talk over stuff. Cal Eldred probably won't be with the organization by then, I would think. I hope. Um, yeah. I think Mike Matheny's going to be back. I think Dayton Moore's going to be back. I think JJ's going to be back. The latter two, I'd almost bet on it happening. Matheny, I know they picked up his option. Obviously, if you or I are making the decisions, then it's a, a pretty easy case closed. I would lean still like 60%, 60-40, maybe even 65-35 that he comes back. um. Does Dane Johnson tickle your fancy at all for a, a pitching coach change? I mean, change? Clearly
1: what he's doing in AAA is working. Like Jackson yeah. Goar seems like he's figured things out a little bit. He's had three really good starts in a row. Chris yeah. Bubich, his first outing wasn't great, but his second outing, gave up a couple of home runs, but still six strikeouts and no walks, so the command is coming back for him a little bit. Uh, I wouldn't – like at, at a certain point, man, Cal Elger has been so bad for four years. Anybody would probably be an improvement. how about
2: Joel Penfield for pitching, like an interim pitching coach. I mean, could it be worse? It'd come with I a mean, pre- salary too. To be probably. fair, probably
1: be, to be fair, it probably would be worse because I'm not a I am not anywhere <laughs> near uh anywhere. I shouldn't be anywhere near a, a big league clubhouse trying to pull strings, but I, I say that very like super tongue in cheek. Like there's no way. Um but I, I think and honestly, any anybody would be an improvement if you want yeah. me to go like super pipe dream. I would throw any money it would take to get Kyle Bodie away from driveline. Yep. Yep. I don't think he would do it because I think he wants to go like front office style, kind of what he was doing with the reds a little bit, but more like less boots on the ground and more like making decisions up there with Dayton and JJ, which I don't know if the Royals would want to do because Bodie's a very strong personality that I don't think would mesh well, but mm-hmm. I'd at least, I would just put a blank check on his desk and see what happens.
2: Yeah. I like that. Um, I, I didn't even think about him. Like, I guess, I like you said, it's a pipe dream, so I didn't think about it. And I think that'd be a big change, man. It, it would I mean, it have a ripple effect. And you think exactly. of what he did with the
1: Reds. Yeah. I mean, they they completely overhauled their PD when he got there, mm. and it worked out really well. They have, a, they have a lot of guys that are really good in that organization pitching-wise. Yep. On the manager side, I have three former player names in my head that I've kind of floated around. Raul Labanez is one of them. He's been talked about as a you know a managerial candidate for a couple of years. Jason Kendall, former okay. catcher, catchers usually make good managers in theory. They're you know they're you know very good between the ears. Played for the Royals for a little bit. Knows the organization. Knows Dayton. People may not like this one, and I don't care. I would put a blank check on Carlos Beltran's desk. I would too. I know that the stink of the Astros cheating scandal. I get it and he was kind of the ringleader behind it i understand but at a certain point you want to win baseball games he's not going to do it now yeah <laughs> like they can't like there's no way there's too many things in place for that to happen he had a job as a manager with the new york mets and never managed a game because of the scandal coming out he's going to get a second chance at some point he's doing some media tour stuff with yes network and and stuff with the yankees as an announcer and things like that He's obviously still well-liked amongst around baseball. One of the best switch hitters ever. A dude that's a borderline Hall of Famer, if not a surefire one. I think he would be awesome. And to get him to come back to Kansas City as well, that would be, I think, an absolute slam dunk if you could do it.
2: (laughs) I wasn't going to bring this up. Um, I, I was talking with a buddy about this last week. Um, I'm also not going to name the, the buddy I was talking to. You know who we brought up that I just I, I started laughing. I was like, man, there are many reasons why this wouldn't happen right now. I, I get where people are coming from because I've seen it fluttered around on Twitter, like very, very sparingly. Also, guess who it was? Who? It was Alex Gordon. I, I'm no, like, no. I'm like, guys, th- <sighs> he's no. not. I don't think he's a manager type. I don't I think don't he think is. he is either. I, not to say he's too quiet, but he's too it's quiet's it's not the word like he's not going to he is a lead by example type guy not mm-hmm. a lead by motivating a bleeping yeah. clubhouse type guy I think and that's not a slight to him but I don't think he is a manager type like that's yeah. a really good way to put it
1: if you want to kind of go I, I don't know if this would even be an option but it would certainly be an interesting one to look into um, would be Ethan Katz the that's pitching coach yep. for the Chicago White Sox Mm-hmm. Would be one that I, you know, maybe just put out a flyer and see if that would be interesting. Um, maybe, maybe like Manny Acta, who's been a former big league mm-hmm. manager. If you just want to try something different, their base coach uh, for the Seattle Mariners could be another one. I'm just kind of spitballing at this point, but I, I'm not going to get my hopes up that a, a managerial change will be made. But certainly, the the seat is going to be burning hot going into 23 if he is back.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's you're you're not getting the full year. If you're struggling, you're not getting I shouldn't even say that because knowing this organization, they might give them the full year and then make a change. And I know that making I, a change halfway through the year is tough and all that stuff, yeah. but like, dude, at a certain point, like if we're already talking about it this year, like is Mike Bethiti gonna make it through the end of the year, then they come out of the gate next year and you're talking about, oh, the rebuild's gonna take until twenty twenty four. Then you push it back another year, yeah. things are gonna get even uglier. Like I think there's still this season hasn't bottomed out yet. I know the record probably oh, no, it has, hasn't yet, but like it has the repercussions have not bottomed out yet at all. No.
1: And if you did want to make a change to, from Mike Matheny mid season, if it gets really bad, like you're a month out at the all-star break, like you're 30 yeah. game, you know, if you're 20, 30 games out in July, which mm-hmm. with the way the twins are going and the white Sox can get rolling, it wouldn't, sh- you know, that's certainly on the table. A guy, you know, you have Pedro Graffol who has been yeah. the bench coach for a long time. he's gotten, managerial interviews uh at a certain point maybe people you just like make him. that change and people like him uh, yeah. so maybe that could be a move you make and see where things go kind of like when i think the royals fired who was a trey hillman and brought in yost midseason,
2: uh-huh yep
1: and see if he's got it and see if he's you know see if he can be a manager type the royals turn it around a little bit get a little hot at the end of the year maybe you give him a, a year or two and see if it works I wouldn't hate that option. He's been around Yost. He's been around Matheny. He's been around, you know, he's been around this organization for a long time that if there is anybody within the organization that deserves a shot. I wouldn't mind a Pedro for being the manager moving forward. If that's the move they decide to make.
2: You know, what would be funny just for the sake of comedy in this podcast, Zach Grinke player manager, just the lineup be... decisions he would make and like the feedback he would give people. I, it, It's not going to happen. Obviously it's just a Disney universe, but it'd be one of the funniest things ever. I think. Man, Zach, why are you batting yourself lead off? Yeah, exactly. He's going to be like, well, he wants to be a player manager, pitcher hitter. It, it'd be crazy. And he, well, and then he the knowing he him purchase it. Would well, be yeah. And, and
1: knowing him the day that he decides to bat himself lead off, he would hit a home run. Oh, for sure. It would that would happen.
2: He'd probably hit several.
1: Oh yeah, of course he would, because he's he's Zach Grinky. We you don't question Zach Grinky. Like you don't no. under you don't have to understand it. You don't have to get it. It's just but you don't question it. You don't question it. It's just Zach Grinky. Another topic that was brought up was trade deadline strategy, potential trade partners. I have no idea on the partner side. I have a couple guesses, but that's so it's so early to tell some of that stuff. Yeah, guess it depends on who you want to move. You and I are both on the trade entropy and attendee train, which they should do. If they did want to move him, I, I'm just I'm basing this purely off of the way to runs created plus by position that Fangraphs has, and there are some teams that you know are contenders that have some not great left fielders at this point, at least production wise. The St. Louis Cardinals have their left fielders this year have a 50 Witterens created plus. So 50% worse than league average and negative one war. Ironically, funny enough, the best left fielder in baseball right now is Andrew Benintendi by Witterens created plus at 142. So that's kind of what you're getting. And the last few years have been a seller's market. You know, you got Boston, Toronto, Atlanta, also there at the bottom in left, left field production. So you have some potential trade partners there. I'm not going to try and make some potential trade rumors and deals. Once we get a little closer, maybe I can I can try and put something together and see maybe what you can get. But it, it's so hard to tell right now. I would also maybe move a couple of bullpen pieces, like guys that are a little Same. bit less controllable. Um, I, I, I know people have talked about moving Scott Barlow, but he's still got three years. And I yeah. don't think the Royals would make that move. Maybe you can try, if Taylor Clark turns it around, he's on a one-year deal, maybe you can flip him uh, for somebody. I know they just traded for Amir Garrett. He's got a year left. I don't know if they would want to make that move, but certainly that could be one you make. Is there anybody else? I, I said on on Royals Farm on Sunday, we talked about the possibility of like, what if Zach Grinke gets moved. I think just for fan service, they aren't going to do it. But he's on a one-year deal, and it wouldn't hurt, and you can always bring him And he's not bad. And he's not bad. He could certainly give you something. It's a seller's market for pitching at the deadline. So you could probably get a team to overpay for Zach Greinke. But I don't think the Royals would do it purely from a fan service perspective, especially with how bad the season's been at this point. Like You have to keep somebody interesting around.
2: Yeah, and given how, and again, this is a business, and you and I really don't give a hoot about this, but like obviously the Royals do how he singled them out and was like, yes. I want to come back here. Like, especially with a guy like Zach, I feel like they wouldn't have the uh, intestinal fortitude to do something like that yep. in a billion years. But if you're thinking of it from a business perspective, you got a guy who's not going to be around long. You got a guy who's pitching at a decent level. You have a team that's down the drain. He can pitch for a contender. You can get something back as opposed to nothing. Then do you think Zach Greinke comes back to Kansas City for another season after this? I think you I think it's one.
1: I think it's going to be one of those where I think he just signed the one year just because it was so late in spring training. Yeah. But I could yeah. see him signing another one for 13 with a mutual option for 24. Because mm-hmm. I think he's still got that in him. Like, I think yeah. there, because he's not so, rel- he hasn't been really reliant on velocity for the last three to four years of his career. He still knows how to pitch and can still be productive. So if that's your. Three or four starter, like your grizzly veteran that's just out there to throw innings until his arm falls off. You can live then with that, certainly. Then you, I can totally live with that. And I think when you still have so many young pitchers that are still coming up, that's a great guy to still have in the locker room for the next year or two. And I think that that's totally reasonable.
2: Yep. I was just curious. I agree. I haven't really had that conversation with people because I just don't think that far ahead with yeah. players really besides the, the front office. But I agree. I think not only does it make sense for them, um, but I could see him doing that.
1: Yeah. that And that's one I'm totally fine with to, to yeah. be completely real. Like I'm not, I I'm, I'm not on the trades that grinky. Like when, when, like you said, when the Royals signed him, it was, I wanted to come back. I love this. You know, I love this organization and Dayton and I wanted to be here. And this is the only place I wanted to be. And he was talking about that in 2017, yeah, which is crazy. So I don't think they make that move unless it is a very agreed upon, hey, we're going to trade you and we'll bring you back next year. Exactly. Like, hey, we're, we're going to send you to a contender, go win a ring, and then come back in 21 or 23, and we'll be good to go. Yep. And I th- I can think that. I think that would be the scenario. I think Dayton would, would do right by him in that way, but I don't think that'll be the case. Like, I don't think it'll be like a Mike Mustakis one-year deal, that it was very understood he was going to be traded in july.
2: Yeah. There was no no really room for interpretation with that. No, that um, was the writing was on the wall for that one very early. Yeah. Like you might as well have put that in the contract and no, said, "Dude, definitely. you know at this point you're you're getting out of here. Not in a bad way, but this is yeah. what's going to happen." Would you trade anybody else is there anybody else on the block for you that you would would look at moving? Well, I know we're going to play trade extend later on. I'm not gonna spoil everything, but I would, I'd consider. Can I bring up a player that's on the list later? Yeah, early? and we we can expound upon it later. Yeah, I'd trade Brad Keller. I would test the market for Nikki Lopez if he heats up for a little bit, and you know if that's coming from me, then that I'm dead serious about it because I've been like the poster boy for Nikki Lopez, I guess, over the past year or two. Um, anybody else? I would test the market for Michael A. Taylor. If he came oh, back that's a good one. and you want to get something, I know he's interesting and, and we can talk more about Lopez and then we'll probably save Keller. Taylor's not bad. Like he's having wow. the best season of his career at the plate, arguably, if not one of the best he's striking out, not as often. He's, he's walking, walking way down. more. Um, his defense is still really good. He's not ancient. He's not extremely injury rep- injury prone. Um, and the contract it's a decent contract. It's cost-controllable. It's not bad. It's relatively team-friendly, um, or if not, right on par with the value. So I think that would be interesting. And then Hunter Dozier, his contract, if he's going to hit like that, you can eat that easily. That That's not bad at all. Um, and I know some teams would be interested in him. I would consider trading him, too.
1: Dozier is the interesting one because I think he's what got. Is it after this year, too? Because did he sign that deal – before
2: last year i think it was like he's got like a
1: four for 23
2: yeah so he's got two more after this year right not I'm, three i am looking this
1: up right now but Hunter Dozier is an interesting one in here yeah i i don't think the royals move him no Hunter i don't Go- either. or uh michael a taylor is an interesting one if he didn't have the extra year attached yes then I think that you're pretty well golden there. Okay. So he signed it last year. It really kicked in this year. Um, so he's still got, uh, oh, there's no way uh, because he's got it's seven and a half, it's seven and a quarter next year, nine million 24, and then a $10 million option Oof.
2: in 25. Is that mutual uh, the- or player or team?
1: um i just see 10 million i don't see if it's it doesn't still, say option, either way but i see i see 10 million in red which i'm assuming is not a good thing because yeah so that, that's just a me <laughs> yeah red red me, generally yeah. means bad so i'm assuming that's like an option year of some kind but so we still got three years after this essentially Oof. two two plus at least i don't know if a team will value hunter Dozier the way that the royals do so i think you're, no. you're kind of stuck
2: and oh, Merrifield too. That same thing. Team Other yes, teams may not value
1: him the way they do, but yes. I would still try and dangle him out there for like the 10th year it. in a row. Yes, and the Royals are going to ask for way too much, just like they did with Seattle, and yep. you're not going to be able to move him. So it'll be a, a futile effort, but I think there's still some players around there. I, I would try and move Michael A. Taylor because I think a team would get desperate for a fourth outfielder. They always yep. do around October time, so that would be one i would still try and dangle scott barlow out there possibly mm-hmm. but i just don't I know do. with the fastball usage and velocity down if that throw you know makes some teams a little uneasy but i could still see a team like the giants or the dodgers or something like that just wanting an extra bullpen piece and they can make the most out of it if the rays are trading for uh scott barlow i'm hanging up the phone I am not making a trade with the Tampa Bay Rays. You just don't do it because they know things that no one else knows.
2: They're The Royals need to have some of whatever they're having. I don't know if it's – the it's obviously the brain trust, but the water, the Gatorade, the – Something. Uh, yeah, the, the, the gum that they're chewing. I don't know what it is, but they need to take a trip down to Tampa and take some and bring it back.
1: Yeah, definitely. So now we're at the point of the podcast where I talk about Vinny Pasquantino because he needs to be in Kansas City. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw yesterday Royals <laughs> Robert Royals Farm Report. Alex was on a on a heater uh with Vinny. Vinny went five for seven with two homers, two doubles, five RBIs, uh, and a 19 to nothing win over the Louisville bats. Uh, it was a heck of a day for all that Omaha lineup, but Vinny was really at the 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 focal point of it all. Over his last seven games in Omaha, Vinny Pasquantino was hitting five sixteen on base percentage of five forty-five a slugging percentage of 1129 good for a 1674 OPS. And for those that like base or plus stats to show uh, league average and stuff, that's a three, four, three 334 weighted runs created plus, which means he is 234% better than league average.
2: Is that, is that good? Like, would I, you
1: consider that? Okay. One might say that's pretty good. And when you look at fan graphs now, Coming At least this is as of recording. I don't know what the game looks like uh, for what Omaha is doing tonight at this point. But coming into tonight, I believe his way to run's created plus on the season is 160. It is, oh, I scrolled past it, 168. And for That's his career, good. I mean, he's hit everywhere, guys. 152 yeah. in rookie ball, 154 in A ball, 153 in Double A, and then 168 this year. He's getting better. And right now, fangraphs, which is generally more uh, cautious with their projections, have him slated, if he were to just plop in the big leagues right now, projected for a 134. <laughs> if you need some that's, perspective that's on unreal. this. That's unreal. Yes. And if you need some perspective on this. So, Salvador Perez had 48 home runs last year. And it was an awesome season. Now let me a- guess. Let
2: me guess. Let me guess. Um, One... 138. No, no, no. That seems too high. Is it too high? It was 127.
1: Thank you to my buddy, Platinum Sombrero for that tweet. 127. When Jorge Soler had his 48 home run season back in 2019, it was 136.
2: On base ability, man.
1: Yeah. So that's what you're getting in Vinny Pasquantino. We are not just pumping his gas at, we are not just gassing him up. Over at Rolls Farm Report because we like him, it's because he's a really damn good player and he's a good dude. On top of that, like we feel a certain amount of vindication because we have been on him for two plus years and yes. we have been like, guys, this dude, this dude can hit. He's really good and just he has destroyed it. National media members are calling for Vinny to be called up by Kansas City. Like he, this dude needs to be in the big league lineup. At a certain he, point, they are going to cut bait with Carlos Santana and Ryan Hund. Yes. I think it is inevitable. I don't know when that day is but it's coming. And if Vinny keeps hitting the way he has, he is going to force the hand of the Royals and they're going to put him in the lineup and he's going to produce. And everyone's going to sit around like, where was this six weeks ago? Why are, why is he up now when we're
2: 25 games below 500? He is getting on base almost 40% of the time. Yeah. He has more RBIs than games played. This season, and it's not like they've only played 10 games They played 42, he has 45 RBS He has 12 home runs, and he's slugging 638, like this is a guy I know that overall the Profile of his power may not be Absolutely elite, it's really Darn good, like he is going to be A professional hitter who has pop I don't care, he's not an elite defender I don't care that he's not a good base runner Vinny is a guy you want to have on your team He's a guy you want to have in the locker room Or the clubhouse, whatever He's a guy that you want to have Pretty much anywhere in your community, Vinny Pasquantino, he's going to do good things. And like I know that no player is really like struggle proof once they get called up or whatever. He he's pretty close, like as close as you can get. Like I think he's going to come up and do pretty well, pretty immediately. Um, I know that. And Nick Prado is an interesting case because he's striking out a lot, but he's also walking a ton. He has
1: figured. He started walking again early in the year. He, I, I think he was pressing a little bit. Yes. And he stopped yep. walking once he came back from the the seven day IL for a concussion protocol. Yeah. I believe. He's walking like thirty percent of the time. It's wild. He's striking out around twenty four. So he's only swinging when he can do damage. And yep. he hit in, in that same game yesterday. He hit a ball to freaking Mars. It was just destroyed. When he gets into one, and when he comes up two, you got two lefty mashers in the middle of that lineup to pair with Bobby and MJ. I mean, that's your three, four, five, six. It's pretty good. That's your three, four, yeah. five, six, right pretty there. Pretty good. Yeah, and it's only gonna get better, guys. Like I, I have said it. I said it last year. I said it before the year started. The Royals will be better when these young guys are in the lineup, and it's coming. So that's why I have room for a little bit of optimism with this team, because I know the reinforcements are good. It's not like 2018, 2019 when it was okay. Well, I guess hundred Osiers up. That's cool. Who else? Oh, no <laughs> one. Uh, Ryan O'Hearn. Okay. You were good for three months. Okay. Sweet. Who else? Yeah.
2: Was, was it even three sad. months? It might've been two. like one and a half.
1: That's true. That's
2: well, true. I guess though, he, he didn't play every game in a row. Cause he played what 44 games or whatever like it was, that, but it was yeah. like kind of sporadic. I yeah. suppose either but, way, it, it, the point I'm trying to make is that the cover yes. was really bare in those days. It's not yes. anymore.
1: You have hitters all over the place that are really good. And guys in Double A they're going to be coming up here soon. Um, I know someone mentioned John Rave in my mentions earlier today. He actually got just got called to Omaha because Brewer Hicklin is in the majors now, which was not the move I was expecting at all. Uh, Me neither. An incredible dude. Easy guy to root for. Uh, a really good athlete. Solid defender. Going to mash against lefties. Uh, a great fourth outfield platoon type. I'm glad he's getting his shot. So I'm I'm happy for him. And also Nate Eaton, uh, a super like toolsy high floor guy uh, that's mashed the last two weeks or so. Northwest Arkansas is coming up to to AAA as well. So and you still got Michael Massey and Nick Lofton that are on their way as well as guys that I think are, can still factor in as part of the future. So the reinforcements are coming, and this team is going to be young and it's going to be good. Uh, they they're probably not going to win a lot of games, but at least they're going to be interesting. And I've been saying that for weeks. Like, if you're going to be bad, at least be interesting.
2: And of course, because I'm here, and because I know you're here, Eric Pena is out there somewhere, and he's going to eventually be up. It's going to be longer behind these. It guys. It is going course, to take but... a long
1: time because he's striking out like forty percent of the time in Loway <laughs> right now.
2: It's rough. Yeah, but it when is. he
1: makes contact, it's good. But he just swings way. I'm holding. Way. way too I'm way too
2: holding deep. the stock. The I am tools holding. Are. Is it your line that the tools are just too good? Yes, the tools are too damn good. Yeah, I knew it was somebody within the the KCS and Royal Spear. I would, I agree. Like, I know the strikeout problems are bad, but the tools are too damn good. I he's must watch, like, or just must follow, must read, must listen. Um, really anything. Obviously, the timelines are different, but that's the thing about this farm system. Like, not everybody that's going to produce is going to come up at the same time, but. They do have a handful of guys right now that could be up and producing. Now, only half of them are up right now, if that. But by the end of the year, I think everyone's hope, by the end of next month, by the end of the next few weeks, hopefully at least Pasquantino is up. I could justify or see them justifying, you know, we're going to give Prado some more time, blah, blah, blah. Pasquantino is ready to roll. And he's he been is ready to, roll to for hit three the ground weeks. running. He's been ready to yeah. roll for
1: three weeks. If like that. It's I mean, he. Yeah. I do think the only thing holding back and this is purely just a theory that I do think the Royals want to give guys like that a home debut.
2: That's fair. Cuz they, cause That's they fair. I mean they
1: called up Bobby, he, you know, they're for opening day. I think that was going to happen anyways, but like MJ got to the big leagues for the Monday game in St. Louis and he didn't play even yep. though they're facing a righty, I'm pretty sure, and then he gets the home start uh on Tuesday night. So I wonder if by next Friday when they're back home playing the Astros, if he's in the lineup that Friday <laughs> night. I I
2: wonder. Would you bet on it? Would you bet on it? Oh, I I would not. And it's not because I don't like know that he's ready, it's that I, I don't trust them to to do that's it. That's true. I don't either. But it's I it's a fair it, chance.
1: It's there is a there. I think there's a better than 50% chance that he okay. will have, see his last triple A at bats by Thursday of next week. Okay. He's just like, he is just too good at this point. Like, it's yeah. not fair. He is destroying everything in triple A. There's nothing left. I don't think there's anything left for him to prove. And the fact that, the, that fans that didn't know who he was six weeks ago are now clamoring for him to be in the big leagues. Like, the court of public opinion is like, get this man to Kansas City. It needs to happen. Yeah. So, I know Kent Swanson somewhere like chugging his old fashioned because we brought up Vinny Pasquantino, so got it. had had to do it. I mean, you know us at this point. Next little segment here, thank you to Alex of Ross Farm Report for giving us this idea. We're going to play a little trade or extend, and I know some people did this in the mentions, so I know how some of you guys feel about this, but we'll start with MJ Melendez and I think this is an easy you give him an extension, right?
2: Yeah, I, I don't really even have anything to say about it. You have to extend him. No, he's too good. He's part of
1: your future. He's I think he's your future catcher, and he is putting together the best at-bats on this team by far uh, of anybody in the lineup whenever he is in there every day. So, Royals are
2: climbing, Joel. They are? Heck yeah. Let's go. Merrifield and the two wits brought him up 3-2 to two now. Oh, well, that's fun. Let's go. It's a really cool story, I would say, or pretty yeah, close to it.
1: Hey, Bobby with the double, Wit with the double. That'll work for me. All right, well let's go. Oh, they, they got to, apparently Devin Smelter's the greatest lefty of all time and they got him out of the game, so <laughs> there's something. All right, next guy, Nick Prado.
2: That's interesting. I would still extend him. Like I I I would It's a tough one because of that log jam, and I think it's a lot easier though if it was I need to pick my words wisely here. I think it would make more sense almost to trade Vinny then Prado because Prado could be shifted out to a corner outfield spot pretty adequately and Vinny couldn't, right? Like that's my yeah. in my head, that's how it works. I wouldn't trade either of them. If you're gonna trade one, I guess I would pick Pasquintino. That said, I'm extending Prado. I could see a future where he's a corner outfielder. I don't know if it's exactly gonna happen, but if you punt on Benatendi, you want Pasquantino at first base as often as possible. You want to platoon Salvi and Melendez. You don't want to put Melendez at third very often. You don't know what you have in the outfield. Perhaps that's an avenue. Um, long road to a short thought. I'm extending Nick Prado.
1: See, just for the sake of debate, I'll go the other way on this one. Okay. And I, I I've kind of gone back and forth on this all day. But I would trade him. Because I just wonder if the strikeouts will prevent him from getting to his ceiling.
2: Very, fair. Because
1: the ceiling is much higher than Vinny Pasquantino. And I love Vinny, but that's just a fact. uh, Prado is just a better athlete. He has more positional versatility, much better power. And they walk about the same. The hit tool, maybe it's certainly better with Vinny, but the power potential at a pre at a position at first base or in a corner outfield spot plays a little better. Um, but i all i'm almost okay with the high floor even if the ceiling isn't as high vinny's like even if he's at his floor is an adequate really good big leaguer prado yep. at his floor isn't he's barely a platoon guy yep so at that point may i i would make that move if i i had to go the other way i would pick vinny over prado in that position okay. now the positional versatility of prado playing left certainly makes it a little more interesting but because we only have two options to trade In this scenario, you talked about a little bit earlier, but Brad Keller, you would trade him. I would extend him. Okay. We're going the other way on this one. So go for it. What do you got? Uh,
2: Again, like you said, you went back and forth on Prado. I went back and forth on Keller. I'm like, man, they don't have a ton in the rotation. Obviously, he is a relatively high floor guy. I think despite his 2021 season, I think he's going to give you decent production for a long time. I think he is not going to break the bank per se. I also think he is going to command a salary, though, like a pretty decent one. Like, I, what do you think? Mm, over five years, how much would you think the Royals give Brad Keller? Ooh, how much would you question. give Brad Keller over five years?
1: So in this scenario, it's at fair market value or trade trade value, yes. so we don't have to yep. think too hard about it. I think a five for 60 wouldn't be outrageous.
2: Uh, Yeah. I was going to say like five for 56 or five to 60. So.
1: And I think we've talked about the Royals farm too. I think we kind of agreed like a five for 60 or a four for for 48 or a four for, I guess it'd be a little more like yeah four for 56, something along that line I think would be perfectly reasonable for Brad Keller, especially if you're paying him to be your three. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't pay him to be my one or two. I would pay him to be my three, and if you're paying a fi- paying fifteen million a year for a three, that's
2: cheap, with how expensive pitching is getting nowadays. You're almost talking me into keeping him <laughs> now. Extending him. I, I'm ever so slightly leaning trade just because I do think they could get at least something for him. But then again, like if you're getting a pitching prospect back for him probably going to just give you the value that brad keller is getting you like you're not going to get like a, a yeah. stud pitcher for brad keller you're not going to get a stud position player um i, I would like to officially change my <laughs> my opinion i'm going to go i was 55 45 trade now i'm going to go 55 45 extend if you trade him you have basically
1: just given away the one good thing that cal eldred has ever done in his time as pitching coach with the yeah worst. not great not great, uh, especially for that guy's job security. Scott Barlow is the next guy on him. this. That's also true.
2: So I mean, so, technically, we, we don't need to go there. People know. We don't need know. to go there. We, we've, done, we've done it <laughs> enough.
1: The, that horse has been dead for weeks now. I don't think we need to do anything more to it. Scott Barlow is the next guy on this list.
2: Can I have a
1: push and just not yeah, do either? Yeah, that's where I'm at.
2: <laughs> yeah. He, he's got the control. He... I get the idea of trading him because he is a good player and you could get something for him and he has multiple years of club control left, but also he's a good player and he has multiple years of club control left and he's only what 29. Like he's not yeah. old. You need something in your bullpen that if you want to have an average to above average or even good unit, you need someone like him. Um, I would I don't even know if extend is the right word for him. I would just keep and, and let him go through. Would he be getting a crazy salary in arbitration compared to an extension? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I would just keep. I I wouldn't even trade or extend. I would just keep. Yeah, him. I'll I'll Matty answer this and say, just push. Yeah. Like, I'm
1: not going to do either. Generally, because the Royals don't trade. Uh, Josh Kaiser made a great point on our podcast on Sunday. We were kind of talking about this kind of scenario of trying potential trade for scott barlow and he's like yeah dayton moore doesn't trade relievers when he should no. so it's not going to happen so that's generally how i feel about that even though that could net you something pretty decent because teams will overpay for a high leverage multi-inning reliever like that especially in a playoff push the last guy we have on this one is jackson Coar. i am going to we talked a little bit earlier about holding Eric Peña's stock. I am going to hold on my Jackson Coar stock until there is a pitching coach change.
2: Yep. Me too. And then and... I will
1: make my decision. But for the sake of answering the question, I would it I would extend
2: him. I would too. I I he doesn't I don't know what his value is right now. You like, can't you trade him. You might as well right just keep him. You, you can't might as well just him keep right him. Now. Yeah.
1: So I would, I would extend him, at least for the sake of answering the question, because I don't want to cheat on two out of the five. So yep. that's what I'll say. And if a pitching coach does come in and he becomes semi-formidable again, and then you want to make that move because you have too many pitchers, then we'll you know can get it. fair market value. But you're not going to get fair market value for him right now. I know this assumes fair market value. There's no way you're going to get it for Jackson Kowar at this point. So I'm gonna wait and hold on how I feel about that until either later this year or next year when he's back up in Kansas City.
2: Yeah, there are people that are like, "Oh well, he still has you know the the prospect pedigree," blah blah blah. Like, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Like it, a- after getting after souring as badly as he has, no, he doesn't. Maybe it, you would get slightly better if at the beginning of the season, before it even started, you'd heard about all the changes he made, and blah blah blah. Had a good spring training, something like that. If that would have been the case then maybe you would recoup at least a little bit of that value. I still think with how bad he was, you're not getting even close to the fair market value. No, not, not anywhere close.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data,
1: All right, Keona. Well, hey, I appreciate the dedication to doing the show. You're doing it from your car today. So how are you doing? How how are things going for you? It's been a few weeks.
3: Yeah, it's been a few weeks since we've last chatted. Uh, I think the museum is preparing for this busy, busy, robust baseball season that we're starting to get deeper into. But we're really excited. You know, You start thinking about what we're probably two months out from Cooperstown and uh, we finished up March of the Monarchs. Uh, we rededicated Monarch Plaza, former site of Municipal Stadium, which looks beautiful. So if you're in Kansas City, highly encourage you to go visit it because now there is things to read and things to see.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. I, that that project came together pretty quick, but that is really awesome uh, to hear about all of this. So since we last talked, you mentioned March of the Monarchs. How was the event? How, how did it go? And what were some uh, just take us through that day it seemed like it was a very very successful uh successful little event there
3: yeah I mean historically you you reflect back to the nostalgia of you know the Monarchs and when they played home you know that you know that 1942 team as it relates to the 80th anniversary this year that marks you know them giving Kansas City our first sports championship of any kind you know it was really done and and what Bob and Buck would say Monarch fashion um everyone in terms of our community dignitaries, civic leaders came out, having the whole reminiscent of the Marching Cobra's march, you know, that started at Monarch Plaza to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum um, was a really great way to really, you know, I guess, capture the winning spirit. And we probably had about over 300 people uh, that participated in the march. And then of course, we ended um, in, in front of the museum uh, with live entertainment, food trucks, uh, community vendors, uh, for people to just really um, have fun and celebrate the 1942 Monarchs. So you saw a pit, you saw buttons, you saw a lot of Monarchs gear uh, running around, and it was just a really cool thing because COVID, you know, took a lot of that from us. And so oh, yeah. the museum is in this really, you know, cool spot. You know, as the national platform grows and we reintroduce people to our annual calendar events um in our mission during this historic year it's, it's cool to see everything come together
1: yeah, some of the pictures and the videos I was able to see were were incredible and it looked like it was an awesome event. I regret that I couldn't make it. I was really bummed that I couldn't, but uh, hopefully there's more events like that coming up here soon. There's a lot of championships to celebrate that uh, that the Monarchs had over the years. So I know that there will be be more in the future. Was the, the dedication of Monarch Plaza, did that coincide with March of the Monarchs or was that a separate event?
3: It did because it was on that Friday, which the March was okay. on Saturday. And so that really jump-started, obviously, the unveiling to the new edition that's on the Monarch Plaza, Jackie Robinson's plaque, obviously in honor of the 75th anniversary. And so we jump-started with World's Hall of Famer, Mr. John Mayberry, that was in our presence, which he is featured on the plaza. So what a cool way to really give him his flowers while he's still with us um, and to be able to pay homage to his contributions because – you know a lot of these players you know during the time and still which they were transcending local sports for kansas city there were still a lot of challenges um you think about mr george toma you know legendary just person in his own right in terms of being instrumental in the groundskeeping, and you know he had just learned so much history so rolls rolls uh historian uh kurt nelson uh rolls hall of famer frank white our president bob kendrick um uh, mayor quentin lucas of Kansas City, so many people also joined us in those ceremonies on the plaza, formally to rededicate the space and unveil now what our restored uh, Hall of Hall of Famer plaques. I mean, the whole crossover with the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, with Otis Taylor and Willie Lanier, um, just a lot of lot of history at that site. And so, what makes me excited, Joel, is we spent so much time. Uh, And money, of course, uh, dedicating that space so people who visit the museum, of course, they want to go get barbecue and then they want to head up the hill and see where the monarchs played. And now there is a site uh, that we are proud of at the museum for people to see when they make their way to visit Black historical land sites, Black baseball land sites in Kansas City. So hopefully the community is proud. Um, The museum, this has always been a part of who we are from the essence in which we started the museum. When Buck, you know, dreamed that uh, we would have a place where their contributions of the Negro Leagues would be remembered. And that community, that community spirit definitely was embodied on on that weekend. So we're, we're super proud.
1: Yeah, it, it looks incredible. I've seen some pictures that people have, have floated around on social media. So if you're you're looking for something to do, definitely go down to the museum on 18th and by and make that walk up to 22nd in Brooklyn and and check out the uh, the new rededicated Monarch Plaza. Also this week, I didn't really talk – I didn't mention this in the rundown, but the Kansas City Monarchs of the American Association coming off a championship in 2021 uh, had their opening day. I saw the pictures of you and Bob, and he had the championship rings. But I mean, that was kind of cool to be there. It's obviously very different than uh, the Negro Leagues team, but to see that logo and to see the, the history that team has, bring another championship to Kansas City, I'm sure that was, a, that was pretty cool to be in the presence of.
3: Yeah, very cool. I mean, I think it's so symbolic to – The Monarchs legacy and the inaugural championship um, that the Monarchs won for the Negro Leagues. And then obviously now having the rebrand partnership with the American Association, Kansas City Monarchs. I have to always say that now with the museum so people can understand the difference between the two. Um, But it, it really speaks to, I think, the intertwined, symbolic, you know, historical essence and spirit that, it, you can't ignore it. I mean, this is a franchise that literally in a partnership, the museum went into wanting to simply educate, you know, it's, it's, it's all great for the baseball side of things and selling popcorn and, you know, having families come out to the ballpark, but now for future generations and, and kids who grow up in Kansas city, put on those Monarch pinstripes and, and grab, you know, mom and dad's hand and walk into the legends field gates. It really becomes for us an all-encompassing educational opportunity to really, you know, have the Monarchs' legacy intact, so people understand where it all originated from. And I think, you know, that day and even having our staff with us, I I tweeted I didn't take too many pictures because I realized that's how much fun I had. Uh, typically, I'm taking a lot of pictures, but it was just really cool to see from my perspective, Joel, that you know our team worked so hard to preserve literally a lost forgotten chapter in, in not only baseball history, but American history. And so to see the contributions of our museum continually transform and transcend history uh, and have a small part in that in a large role to some degree as well, uh, it's, it's pretty historic. And so, you know, not often do we get to sit down and really take in those moments, but I think uh, that weekend and, and last Friday for opening day was a simple reminder that, man, the, the legacy of the Monarchs and uh, Hilton Smith, Satchel Page, Buck O'Neill, and their legacies are, are alive and prevalent in Kansas city um, and definitely teaching those young ballplayers uh, what all this means to Kansas city and our community.
1: Absolutely. It's a, I, I've gone to that stadium many a time over the years since I've lived in Kansas city. And it was, it was really special walking in when I went to a game, I haven't gone to a game yet this year, but last year and seeing hear the kansas city monarch journal field there was just something like the the air of it was like it it felt really cool it felt different and to have that kind of romanticism about baseball kind of back in the city i think is is very cool and i plan to spend many a summer day there at legends field this summer i hope you know take my family to a few of those and it's it's an exciting time for sure and they're going to be another good club again this year and hopefully they bring another monarch championship to kansas city before I get you out of here, Kiona, I do want to wish you congratulations on uh, the community award that you were, the Jack Miller Award for, from the KC Downtowners uh, for your, your contributions to the city. Uh, certainly well-deserved.
3: Thank you. Uh, it's been quite a week. Um, and I honestly, it was like a blip on the radar in the midst of everything we have with the museum um, but Jared, Jared was was a kind soul, as I learned. Uh, Jared Miller lost his life in 2019. And I, I told everyone in my um, speech uh, at the formal ceremonies last week in downtown Kansas City that clearly he made an impact in our city because we're talking about him today. Um, and so what you hope, you know, in terms of how, how I choose to live my life and what I choose to represent, not only for the museum, um, but just, just our our generation joel i mean it's still pretty cool to do what you love to do have your passion intact but also serve others um and sometimes we don't get what we want out of it sometimes we're tired sometimes you know the sacrifice comes and it's not what we hoped for but i think moments like that really speaks to what i live out every day and what i see you know and put things in perspective and so humble that i was selected there are so many great people in kansas city um, but just to be a small part of what they were able to honor me with and honor in honor of Jared's memory, um, super humble and grateful. So thank you for that.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, we'll talk back in a couple of weeks. Uh, anything major coming up in the next couple of weeks that people can be on the lookout for?
3: Yeah, uh, here in the next couple of weeks, I mean, you got, no you know, upcoming royal, royal salute to the Negro Leagues. And so I'm sure the Kansas City Metro, area we'll start seeing some announcements jointly from the museum and from the royals of course if people do not know the kansas city royals d- do an annual salute to the negro leagues uh that obviously supports and benefits the negro league's baseball museum uh, so they you know they do some great throwbacks I-, I can't give it all away but i'm sure people will be very excited about this year's tribute um in honor of the kansas city monarchs and so many things to celebrate this year so we are stay tuned for that, and then, of course, we'll be launching a significant fundraising campaign for the museum in two months as we get ready to prepare for Buck's induction into Cooperstown. That will ultimately support, clearly, the museum and then, obviously, the future home of the Buck O'Neill Education and Research Center. So there's going to be some exciting things in the works and, and things at Kansas City locally. Uh, will be able to partake in as it relates to the induction and all these different things and so we're, we're working um and we're excited we're excited to have the community partake in this with us
1: all right well we'll talk again in a couple of weeks again everyone go to the museum go to monarch plaza support the negro leagues baseball museum it's a great way to support an incredible institution in kansas city thank you kiona thanks joe I think that's enough Royals talk for tonight. So we'll just jump into final thoughts. What do you got? You got any, and this can be anything. I don't really care. We can, I don't, I don't have that.
2: much, man. Cade Cunningham. I mean, we we chat. So Joel and I, yes, Joel and I Twitter chat or text at least once a day, yeah. usually multiple times a day Um, on average, multiple times a day. Cause like today it was probably 30 exchanges throughout the day, Twitter text about Kate Cunningham, about the Royals. I think we had a, a cheap staying in there. We had a, a Colin cowherd exchange back and <laughs> forth. Um, Kate Cunningham, man. He's that dude. Go pokes. It's um, about all I got.
1: Yeah. He's he's going to be a lot of fun. I just wish he didn't play for the freaking Pistons, man. It's, like when the didn't. lottery came, what when the lottery came in last year, I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I guess we'll talk a little, little lottery, I guess. So. Top three picks. Was it Magic, Thunder Rockets?
2: Yeah. How, how does yeah, it go? Yeah.
1: You're your NBA guy. What do you got?
2: I think it goes Chet, Jabari, Paolo. Um, I think I get the concerns about Chet being skinny. He also hasn't had any injury problems at all. He yeah. also was one of the best finishers in college basketball last year. He also – is very very long and has Evan Evan Mobley was the same problem he was always too skinny he's not gonna be able to guard fives granted he went to a situation and a team that had Jared Allen so yeah. he didn't have to guard fives so that's different Chet going to um OKC or not OKC Orlando he'd have Wendell Carter Jr like he'd have a guy and Mo that Bamba. Could, and Mobamba um that could potentially do it I do worry a little bit about the jump in competition because he did not play in a good conference. That is very valid. Um, I think the potential with him though, is just too good. He plays like a guard. He's a big, um, he's, he's not seven foot that dude's like seven, three. I don't care. He hasn't been measured in a while. Um, I think he goes one Jabari. Just he fits anywhere. He's a great defender. He's a great shooter. He's going to be good. And then Paolo, I like him with like Jalen Green and the guys they have in Houston, him being like a the Carmelo Anthony comp kind of gets on my nerves, but I also understand it. he's like a jumbo scoring guy. He doesn't have nearly the shot that Carmelo had. Um, I think that's how the top three goes.
1: I think that's completely fair. And as a very, very casual Oklahoma City Thunder fan from my time living in Oklahoma, that does make like the thought of a a starting five that involves giddy and sga and dort with jabari smith yeah give me that
2: that'll play for that that yeah. would
1: that would be pretty fun and Bull, then two
2: minutes thrown in there
1: yeah and, they, and then they would inevitably tank for that super prospect that's going to the draft victor
2: when Wem, yeah, yeah
1: like seven three
2: like Giannis on steroids yeah he's wild he's like rudy gobert mixed with like Chet, he's just insane, dude. He, yeah. I saw, do you, you probably have you seen the Ringers 2022 NBA draft guide at all? Uh,
1: I've seen like some of the mocks. I, I just do it like I look at like the lottery picks, and that's about it. I don't, yeah, really, you, you're not, you know, I'm not huge into sure. it, at least like very, very casually pay attention.
2: KOC called Chet, I think it was Rudy Gobert with like guard skills. I'm like, Rudy Gobert with guard skills, like top 10 player of all time, so like, I, I'm yeah. not gonna go there for chet or victor um but victor like is a if it pans out literally generational type like the way people were talking about zion he would live up to that level of hype i think like i haven't done a deep dive on him at all um obviously it's a year out so i don't have to but he's he's super legit I've seen. I saw a tweet today that said that the
1: tanking that's going to happen this season is going to be the most obvious and blatant since O two O three in the LeBron draft.
2: Yep. So
1: that's that, and that's kind of the thing with the NBA that I don't like is like when it is blatantly obvious. Like the Thunder were throwing out like G League lineups
2: Uh, and like pulling guys to start the fourth when they were like.
1: In the game. Winning. Like yeah. guys. Like, yeah. Or winning. My guy, yeah. My my guy Lindy Waters, who got called up from the yep. G League, he had he scored like 12 points in the quarter and then he didn't play the rest of the game because they were he's an
2: NBA win. rotation player. I think Which we both most... he he's gonna stick. Yeah, he Lindy's a fun player. He's gonna be able to shoot. And man, if you can try on defense and you can shoot, you're gonna play minutes even in the playoffs. Like that's the reason guys like Duncan Robinson haven't played. Very much because he doesn't play defense. If you can compete and you can shoot, you're going to get minutes. It's that Oklahoma State thing, man.
1: Like Tony Allen, Marcus Bill smart uh, Joel Penfield, you know, De- De- just the list goes on. Desmond Mason, if you go to get throwback a little bit, but I mean, they have that Tony Allen clip of first team all defense. That's just what you do. And so that's why even Cade, like he yeah. guards like the best player on the other team most of the yeah. time. So, and does
2: a pretty damn good job doing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it helps
1: being six, eight and long and huge helps. Yeah. Okay, one last qu- couple questions we'll get out of here. Where are you on the Justin Ross hype train?
2: I think this season I don't expect anything. I'm not even expecting him to get a catch. I'm expecting him to make the team and be wide receiver number 6 or 5 or whatever. Um next season though, if he's healthy, I think he could be thrust into that Starting role as the X, like I, mm-hmm. and that's a very lofty expectation for a guy that has a serious, you know, neck problem. Um, but his tape in 20 uh, might have been 2018, 2018 or 29, it might have been 19. Um, as a true freshman, it was like top half of the first round level, good like top 10, like top, you would have probably been
1: the good. first or second wide receiver taken if he was healthy, yeah,
2: yeah. So if he gets back to that and like reports are good. The Chiefs are intentionally trying to get people on the hype train. I kudos to them. I with the tweeting the clips and everything cuz casual fans will understand that and embrace it and interact with it. Um if he can even get to 90% of that, he's going to be a good wide receiver in the NFL. So I'm not expecting him to be like, you know, a star or anything, but can he have a really good role in 2023? I think he could. Yeah, I I'm obviously like I'm on the hype train, but I'm somewhere like in the middle. You
1: know, yeah, like I'm not yeah, driving yeah. it, but I'm I'm not like, I'm not off it. Right. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm with you. I don't think he's going to do anything like, like I don't think the numbers are going to be eye popping, but he's probably going to make a handful of catches and plays that'll make people go, Whoa. Okay. Yeah. And then he'll slowly work in and then I could see him being that X receiver, essentially being like a wide receiver two next year. I could totally see that. And that, and that depends on, what they decide to do with Juju and MVS, if they decide to bring those guys back, I could see Juju signing here long term if he has a good year. Because, you know, it. wanting to play with fifteen kind of helps, and especially if he has a really good year. So that would be that would be pretty fun. Like that wide, I think the wide receiver room is interesting. I'm not, I'm not willing to go like really good or, super, but I think interesting or is or better. Way to describe it right like
2: now. there are people that keep calling it better. I'm like it's deeper, yeah. But you, I think you deeper don't have is the, the best way to describe kill. it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely deeper because you're gonna have. Even with the running back position and tight end, you're gonna have five guys that you can go to. Mahomes brought it up on whatever day this is Thursdays we're recording. They have guys that can win in different ways. And they have different guys that can win in different ways. And I mean, I think the numbers aren't gonna be as crazy, but come playoff time when he's locked on Mahomes or locked on Kelsey and Hill, this year it won't be like that. This yeah. year he'll be locked on Kelsey, but Juju will be open or MBS will be open or McCall will be open or Sky Moore will be open or Clyde will be open out of the backfield. They're going to have a a wider menu of options. I think that's a good thing.
1: Yep. All right. Last question before I get you out of here. What would your
2: walk-up song be if you had to take a nap out of the K? Uh, I, I knew this was going to come at some point on the podcast. I should have known. Um, Man, I've thought about this for, I don't know, 20 years or so, Um, and I've never been able to think of one. Probably probably. What would yours be? Let me think for a second. What would yours? Okay, be? Okay, so I have I've my long-standing one has
1: been the fiddle intro to Long Hot Summer Day by the Turnpike Troubadours. Okay, okay. Or I would go something to talk about by Co Wetzel. Those are like my two right now that I would I would go
2: with. I really I have to give some sort of an answer. I mean, I can only stall for so long. Probably something Drake. I guess like Trophies by Drake. That'd be interesting. I I don't really feel that though. Like that's my holdy over answer. Next time I come on and you have my word, I will have one narrowed down that I absolutely would pick. Uh, I
1: will, I will hold you to that.
2: Well, I'm writing hey, it in my notes. Okay. There we go.
1: Well, Hey Jordan, thanks so much for coming on. I think this is the first time we're getting out of here under an hour. We're at 55 minutes right now. So thank you to everybody listening. Be sure to subscribe to KCSN. subscribe down below, hit that notification bell. Don't miss a single episode that comes out on, uh, any podcast network here any anything here at kcsn subscribe to kcsn kansas city royals for this show and royals farm report hope you all have a great long weekend enjoy be safe and be sure to subscribe to do everything with inside the royals follow them on twitter and follow all the great work they're doing over there thanks buddy